0: It's cool, it's been a real, real dream to see this become a reality, and um, I think there's about 45 current run coming, and book two is uh, at the printer as well, so uh, there'll be a four-book series, so uh, it's just been a real thrill to see, uh, even just get some of the feedback from uh, families, uh, a lot of them going into non-Christian homes, um, talking about uh, identity and purpose, so uh, yeah, thank you for your support, so I appreciate it. Well, good morning, everybody. We're going to continue our series this morning, Into the New. And uh, as we've been talking about this this uh, this topic or this series, this thought that we are stepping into the new. often we talk about the new which is good, we talk about the new that is amazing, we talk about the new that is just fantastic, but the reality for many is the new is pretty horrible. Sometimes the new that we step into is actually the biggest trial we've ever faced in our world. and you know we don't we don't gloss over or code over anything here at Elam we we believe that that Bad things happen and tough things happen and we walk through trials and we go through difficult times. But the promise we have is we have a God who is with us. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about what happens when the trial is actually, or the new is actually a trial. How do we cope? What do we do? How do we make it through? In Scripture we see many examples of when people stepped into the new and they stepped into the greatest trial they've ever experienced. I just think of the the, the Israelite people, they stepped out of Egypt, finally out of captivity, and they find themselves now, it's like out of the fire into the fire, or frying pan into the fire. And then then they cross over the Jordan River, they see this incredible parting of the Jordan River, and they find themselves now defeating Jericho, the city of Jericho. It's like, yes, come on, God, you're, you're doing it. And then they suffer this massive defeat at Ai. Then the the disciples, they're they're filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, and and they pour out, you know, giving the gospel in all these different languages, and they're accused of being drunk. You know, preach the gospel, you get arrested and put in prison. Lose your life. The reality is sometimes the new that we step into is actually difficult, a great challenge. How do we respond? What does that look like? This is what I do know about trials. I'm either in the middle of a trial, I'm coming out of one, or I'm about to step into a new one. You're going to get a testimony on that one. Oh, I don't know anyone that is going, you know what? No problems with my life. My life is perfect. Not a single problem, not a single challenge. I'm not facing anything that's, that's, that's difficult at the moment. Anyone want to you know, kind of fly around the room a few times and you know, prove that you're not human? The reality is we are in the middle facing, we're coming out of, we're about to go into a trial. And if, if we don't have a sense of knowing that God is with us, that trial can be the end of our congregation and our family that are going through some deep, dark times, health, relationships, jobs, really, really difficult circumstances. And yet there is a joy, there is a strength, there is a power within them That is just, I mean, I've got some heroes sitting in this place that I'm looking to them for inspiration as they are facing the greatest challenges they've ever faced with a strength internally. James 1, 2 to 4, the verse I love and hate the most in in the Bible, I think. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, I just don't get that, and yet I completely get that. Because this has been my world. I'm learning when a trial comes. It's like I'm counting it pure joy. Counting it pure joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, not lacking anything. Would you pray with me this morning as we look at what it means to face the trials and the fire? Father, we thank you that your promise is so clear that you're with We don't have to fear because you are with us. We can put our hope and our trust in you. Lord, thank you for your word that encourages us, shows us the journey and the pathway others have taken that we can also walk ourselves. God, will you speak to our hearts. Lord, for every person here today that's in the middle of a trial, facing a difficult season, God, may they be reassured of your presence in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Because the reality is some, some trials, they're not small trials. But they're trials that could potentially end us. I, I, I think of someone, maybe with a child, with a, with, a, with a horrible sickness or a really severe disability. What about that terminal diagnosis we get? A stroke, heart attack. What about going through abuse or rape or physical violence? going through severe mental illness, losing someone close to you, losing your job or your career. What about losing hope? That's the reality for many, struggling to find hope. And trials can be tough, particularly if you feel like when we're in the middle of a trial, is God, where are you? Where, where are you, God? I, I can't seem to locate where you are. And sometimes we think that Silence means that God's not with us, but silence does not mean he's absent. Sometimes the teacher doesn't talk in the middle of the test. In fact, often he doesn't. (laughs) God's with us. This is the promise we can read in Hebrews. Never will I leave with confidence. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Matthew 28, 20, he gave the promise to his disciples. As Jesus left, he says, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. My Spirit will be with you. And he says, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. You know, God is here. Sometimes we, as Christians, we can say funny things like, God, would you come? It's like, he's never not been here. He's omnipresent. But, but, but you kind of know what we're saying when we say that. We're saying, God, I, I want to feel and sense your presence. I, I, I need to know that I'm, I'm, I'm not alone here. And it's okay. I, I believe it's okay. God, I need you. I, I need your presence here. Because he, he often comes in, in, his, in his manifest presence, which is like him appearing in such a way that is a, a tangible way that we would experience Uh, I often agree in faith, there is a tangible sense of his presence as we worship. It's just like, whoa, God, I feel your love so strongly. I feel your peace. I feel feel breakthrough. I feel healing. You know, these, these moments that we experience together when he's with us. But I love the thought that God is with us in the good and the bad, the highs and the lows, the mountains, the valleys, he's with us. I love the thought that he's also with us in the fire, and we're going to we're going to explore a passage this morning about three young men that found themselves literally in the fire. What is a trial by fire? A trial by fire is an ordeal which tests our strength, our endurance, and our resolve. And it can be in any area of our life. It's, but some things you just can't be, you can't avoid them you you can't get around them, you've just got to go through them, and it's how you go through them determines. Who we become as people. I I, I don't know if uh, anyone remembers their first job. Anyone remember their first job, first day on the job? I I remember my first day on the job as a projecting metallic substance replenisher, um, in lay terms, a shelf stacker um, at New World. I mean, I I, I had to get those, those cans straight, I had to make sure they were lined up and that there was, you know, I was nervous. I had someone else come up after the first of and said, he's 42, same age as me. And he goes, well, I started my job at Pack and Save. We must have been starting the same, the same year. I'm like, well, there you go. let get the shelves on the right shelf, you know, the cans on the right shelf. But, you know, first time, first time. And then, you know, the new job and the promotion and all of these things, there's a pressure that we feel. Maybe for you, actually, this is your first time unemployed. I know there's people that have lost their jobs in this difficult season. For the very first time, you, you are without employment. How, how will you handle that? How will you walk through that? How will you still know that God is with you? Maybe it's a health trial. I know many people in our congregation at the moment going through significant health trials. How will we cope with that? How will we walk through that? What about purpose trials? You know I'm going through the trial of purpose, discovering who we are, truly knowing. Who God's called us to be? What, wanting to find out whether you're even in the right job, the right career, whether you're doing what God wants you to do? I, I, I don't know. For some of us, we're going through the trial of purpose. What about the trials in relationships? Can I get it? Uh huh. You know, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your child, whether it's your mother, your father, your auntie, your uncle, whether it's a boss or somebody that works for you, we, we, we could all be going through various trials in our relationships. But in the book of Daniel, we read of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Rakshak and Benny, if we want to shorten it. These three bright, young Jewish slaves in his kingdom. There's something about them that just just stood out. And the king says, I'll I'll have them. I need them on my team. And so they were given the choice of turning away from what they believed to bow down to an ungodly king. Important decision. Would they bow down or would they stand up for God? They weren't sure whether they'd survive it, as we'll see in a moment. But God was with them in the fire. And there's always things that we will have to go through. We live in a fallen world. The result of sin entering the human race means that we live in a world of brokenness. There is sin, there is death, there is pain, there's anger, there's hate, there's racism, there's all of these things that we are seeing just day in, day out. The result of sin in our lives. Sin that separates us from God. Sin that separates us from His presence. But this is the core truth of the gospel that we must understand. Because of Jesus, God is with us. Because of Jesus, God is with us. We don't have to be alone. Where we were separated, Jesus says, you know what? I will become sin even though, I'm not, uh, even though I haven't sinned. Bible says, he who was without sin became sin so that we may know and experience the righteousness of God. That's what Jesus has done for us. See, the challenge is mine. When I rely on me, I won't rely on him. When I rely on my ability to get out of my problems or solve that problem or or be strong enough or good enough or talented enough, when, when I rely on me for the outcome, I don't rely on Him. And so far in my 42 years, it hasn't gone so well when I rely on me. But when I rely on Him, when I empty myself of of all of me, it is a completely different journey. Even in the middle of the fire, even in the hardest time, even the most difficult season, I find a greater joy. I find a greater peace. I find a greater strength that resonates within me because it's Christ in me, me in Him. How do we get through the fire? We've got to believe that Jesus is with us. We need to ask Him to be there in the fire with us. Why is it that so many of us find Jesus at our lowest point? Because desperation is often the only preparation for revelation. Desperation is often the only preparation for revelation. Desperate into the trial with us, into the fire with us. When we're desperate for our kids. Come on, parents. You've been at that place of desperation with your kids. It's like, God, we've got to get a breakthrough. Or maybe with your spouse. It's like, if we don't get a breakthrough, it's like you, you're crying out to God, I need a miracle. That place of desperation, God, arrives. He's he's already there, but he's he's made known to us. I remember the first missions trip I I led. I've been on a number of missions trips, and uh, the thing I loved about these missions trips is, is I wasn't in control. I wasn't in charge. I just had to kind of follow instructions and try not to get into trouble. This one, however, I was in charge. I was supposed to be the responsible adult. And uh, uh, we were invited to go over to Bangladesh. I was speaking at a kids' conference over there, and we were going through uh, through Thailand. And this was my first kind of connection with, with Sukhan, my first trip to Bangladesh via Thailand. And I, I took three teenagers with me. They were great young kids, two 15-year-olds and a 16-year-old, part of our youth ministry, um, just amazing. Only one of them had traveled outside of New Zealand, that, and that was to Australia. And I was taking them to Thailand and Bangladesh. Um, Two slightly different countries, to Australia and New Zealand. So on the flight over, one of them vomits for basically ten hours. So the the you know, I mean, she She was not in a good way, and I'm, you know, I was starting to get a little bit anxious, as you would. It's like, oh, what's her parents going to say? You know, she's, she, she's never been on a plane. You know, this is her first plane flight, uh, and and she's and she's <laughs> and so we arrive there. And I realized that I made rookie mistake number one. Do not have all of your itinerary on an electronic device. Because when I went to turn my phone on, fully charged, I was, I was smart about that, turned it off for the flight, arrived there in Thailand, never been in this airport before, turned my phone on, tried to turn my phone on, my phone wouldn't turn on. I had no hard copies of my documents. All I remember was the hotel Jumbotel. That's all I remembered. So we're in the taxi rank. We've got this taxi driver who doesn't speak English. I don't speak Thai. He's nodding his head. I'm nodding my head. And we're just exchanging one word, Jumbotel. So we hop in this, this cab. And we are driving for 40 minutes. And I don't know how many Jumbotels there are in Thailand. It could be a chain of, of dozens. or I don't even know if we're heading to the right one. 40 minutes, we're traveling, and I am starting to freak out. And I still can't get my phone on. I, I, by some miracle, we turn up at the right hotel. There was a reservation for us. Somehow we got there. I'm thankful for that. It's got a lock safely in their room, and I'm going, how safe are they even? You know, I hadn't really even thought this. You know, I, we're just going to go and minister the gospel. I hadn't thought about all these, these extra things. I'm a guy. I mean, you know, it's just like, yeah, it sounds great. Let's go. I was anxious, I was fearful, I felt, it was like, they really just kind of felt that, and I was in this place of desperation, and I prayed, and I spoke in tongues, I was just like, God, I need your help, because I'm not good enough, and I felt it come, I felt his peace, I felt his presence, I felt his strength, and it was probably one of the you know, t- 10 absolutely unbelievable days of ministry. God moves so powerfully and just unlocks so many things in these three teenagers and in my own life. And it was just the start of an incredible relationship we now have today uh, with with Sukkan in Bangladesh. But I realized that that place of desperation led me to that needing God. Can I encourage you this morning? It's okay to feel desperate. Permission given to feel desperate. Permission given to feel like you've come to the end of yourself where you don't feel like you've got anything left. You know it's actually okay to need something from God, that when we feel anxious, when we feel those thoughts of inadequacy, that fear, that that actually moves us to this place of being real with God. Press hear His voice. God is with us in the fire. So let's check out the experience of these three young Jewish guys, Rakshak and Benny. So King Nebuchadnezzar had a massive ego so big that he wanted a statue built so that everybody would bow down to him. When the music starts playing, they would all bow down. Now, they didn't, they would die. So for most, it's like, die or bow down? So everyone's bowing down except Rakshak and Benny, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing up, and they're like, bow down. I mean, can you imagine the people around them just, just bow down? But they wouldn't. So the king gets absolutely furious. He threatens to burn them alive. And this is what they say. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. See, they knew God is able. They knew God was willing, but they trusted God had a plan regardless of the outcome. And this has been my prayer for a number of years now. God, I know you can. God, I know you will. And even if you don't, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to shut down. I'm going to trust you, God. If you can, I believe you will. And then when he doesn't, that's where our faith crumbles. This is what these three men had. they had a and even if you don't, I will not bow down to anything else. I won't bow down to fear. I won't bow down to those anxious thoughts. It doesn't matter whether we live or die in this, God, you're God. And there, there was a there was there was a trusting of his sovereignty, meaning he was in charge. I'm not. when we can find that place in our hearts of trusting the sovereignty of God, the greatest trial, the greatest challenge, God will even use that for His glory. So the king, he, he loses it. He's, he's furious. Orders the flames to be heated up seven times hotter, which is in Hebrews' term was just like as hot as it can ever get. You know, you can't get it any hotter than this. Binds these, these men up and throw, they throw them into the flames. It was so hot that those that threw them into the furnace, they burned alive. So, so the guards are now burnt, burning on the ground. It's like, this is pretty intense. Well, then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, Your Majesty. I mean, you know, they're, they're going to get a little bit nervous now, aren't they? It's like, we've just seen two of our other mates burn. Certainly, your majesty, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace, probably not too close, and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out. They, they, they recognized who they were. He recognized they were servants of the most high God. Higher than him, higher than his idol. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. That, was, that didn't quite come out right, did it? And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Man, when I'm cooking barbecue, my, 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 my clothes stink. They smell really good, but, you know but there was not even a smell of fire on these guys. And something happened that defiled belief and all of it pivoted on one thing, that there was another in the fire with them. There was another in the flames. One who was there at their point of desperate need, one who looked like the son of God. And as the team come this morning, and as I bring this to a close, I believe this is God's presence as a reminder of God's promises. God's presence as a reminder of God's promises. There was something within these young men; they knew the promises of God. They that, that, that heard the teaching of of Moses. There was something in them that that they just knew. They knew. They knew. They knew. They knew that God was for them, not against them. That the Lord would bless them, would keep them. That God's face would shine upon them in the morning, in the evening, and coming and you're going. It's a blessing that would be on their children and their children's children. Something that they carry within them, the promise of God. God's presence was a reminder of His promises. 2 Peter 1.4, it says, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. I want to speak to some promises here today. I, I believe there's people here that are holding on to promises that God has spoken, I I, I think even decades. I believe there's someone here with 20 years you've had a promise that God's given you. If God spoke that over your life, He will bring that for you. second thing is God's presence is a reminder of God's power. See, when when God is present in our midst, He doesn't come with part power. He, He comes in His fullness, which is full power. Nothing lacking. See, in the fire, God disestablished the power of the flames. How is that even possible? See, our minds can't comprehend that. You put something in a fire, it burns. God says, not this time it won't. I'm going to overrule nature. Jesus stood in a boat as His disciples were freaking out and says, be still. The wind and the waves bowed down. He disestablished the power of nature. God's presence reminds us of His power. When God crosses over, when He reaches down, when He steps into the natural, it's an easy thing for Him. For us, stepping into the supernatural seems hard, but guess what? We don't have to do the supernatural. But what God does is He asks us to do something in the natural, which He then Makes supernatural. A simple step of obedience. Apply for that job. A simple step of obedience. Forgive that person. A simple step of obedience. Never done before. A simple step of obedience. Seek me. Spend time with me. If you're longing for, for the, the sense that He's with you. Maybe God's just saying, Would you spend time with me? And would you speak maybe less than. Speak to your hearts. Two ears, one mouth. Do the math. (laughs) We should speak a, a whole lot less than we listen. The third thing that we can be reminded is that God's presence is a reminder of God's priority. You know what God's priority is? You. Me. Us. Humanity. God created all of creation so that we could enjoy it, that it could be a part of who we are. We would enjoy it. And He desires relationship with each one of us. And He established His priority by putting Jesus on a cross that He didn't deserve to hang on. Why did He hang on the cross? For the forgiveness of our sins. The Bible says He who was without sin became sin so we would experience the righteousness of God. this morning maybe you're you've had a relationship with God or maybe you've never ever asked God to forgive you of your sins the Bible says our sin separates us from God it's not one person righteous not a single person as good as that God demands but he made a way through Jesus Jesus forgave our sins so that we could be right with God and in this place I don't know where you're at with God But every week we give an invitation for anyone who needs to return or maybe for the very first time say, God, I I give you my life completely. I'm going to hold nothing back. You've got my all. I surrender my life to you. Wave the white flag. I give up. God, it's all yours. This morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd love to pray a prayer and invite you to pray that prayer. We'll all pray it together as a family. and You can pray that prayer. turn from our old ways of living repent, ask God to forgive us why don't we pray Heavenly Father thank you for your great love for me thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins I repent I turn from my old way of living and I choose to follow you please forgive me grace today In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We'd love to help you take your next step, whatever that might be. Maybe coming back to God or maybe just you've never really known anything about Him. You want somebody to help you on that journey. Right across this auditorium, I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, why don't you just lift your hand and say, I prayed that prayer. I want to take that next step with Jesus. One, God loves you. Two, He is here with you three. Why don't you lift your hand right now. Thank you. Up the back there. That's amazing. Anyone else? Thank you, young lady. It's beautiful. Anyone else? Up the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the middle there. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you. We're so thankful for your gift of life to us. Church, would you you stand? I I, I just want to declare a couple of things. We're going to sing the song one more time. I'm going to declare that we have one in the fire with us, that we don't need to run from our trials. I I believe God is saying, don't leave the fire. Don't leave the fire prematurely. Don't leave the trial. Don't give up when God still has more to do. There's a work that He wants to do in our hearts if we would trust Him. Our loss, our pain, and even our death. I love Paul the Apostle. He says to, to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Meaning, you know, my, my life is better when I'm gone. <laughs> but we've got a life to live. And I don't think God's done with us yet. Amen. But let's not be afraid of the fall. If you need God's help in a trial right now, if you just feel like you just need to know His presence, His peace, His assurance that He is with you. God, I thank You, Lord, You are with us in the trials. I thank you we don't have to go through the fire alone. I thank you, God, the fire will forge the character that is required in us. God, may we be reminded of your presence. Lord, your promises, your power, that your priority is us. And Lord, that lost people would matter to us. That, Lord, we would live our lives. Lord, to give you glory. That many would come to know you because of the way we would live our lives. God, we give you honor. Glory, praise in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. You no, know, if you need to come,
1: receive some
0: ministry, why don't you come?
1: Will another in the waters hold him back the seas? And should I ever need reminded? How good you've been to me. I'll count the joy come every back. I know that's where you'll be There'll be another next to me There'll be another in the waters Holding back the seas And should I ever need reminding How good you've been to me I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be There'll be another in In the waters Holding back the seas. Should I ever need reminding How good you've been to me I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle because I know that's where you'll be. Amen. In the church, I
0: really had this verse, Zephaniah three seventeen, on my heart, and it says, The Lord your God is with you, and He is mighty to save you. But in fact, He delights over you. He rejoices over you with singing. Isn't that beautiful? God is with us. And I pray that each one of us have an even-if faith. An even-if faith. Yes, God, we know you can and we know you will. But even if you don't, we'll live our lives to honour you, to worship you. Amen? Amen. Thanks, Mike, for such a great word. So very timely, very in season. Amen. So good. And I will give an opportunity just at the end of the service, if you need some prayer this morning, please don't, don't, don't exit without coming forward and just allowing one of our family to stand with you. Do you want to take a seat just for a few moments?